it is a mass psychosis. A mass psychosis in uh, Iowa tonight. Supposedly, Donald Trump has landed in Des Moines, Iowa. They're having the worst blizzard they've had since 1941. It is a mass psychosis. He went after Vivek Ramaswamy. Vivek Ramaswamy isn't even registering in the polls. And Vivek, he says, started his campaign as a great supporter, quote, the best president. He called me the best president in generations, etc. Unfortunately, now all he does is disguise his support in the form of deceitful campaign tricks. Very sly, but a vote for Vivek is a vote for the other side. Don't get duped by this. Why would he do that? Why would he go after Vivek? And of course, Vivek, late, late, late Saturday night, responded, as all bullies do when they're out bullied. This really hurts my feelings. I believe Donald Trump was the greatest president of my lifetime. He's still sucking up to Donald Trump. It's psychosis. Donald Trump has been endorsed by a mobster, a mobster we're all familiar with, and he's using him as a character witness. This is a mass psychosis. It's unbelievable. This is the mop-up for January 14th, 2024. Thank you for finding me. I'm David Feldman. Please like this episode so I remain in your feed. Please subscribe to my channel. Please subscribe to my newsletter. Please Share this if you want to help me out. I'll get to Iowa. But first, according to Friday's testimony in New York State's civil lawsuit against the National Rifle Association and Wayne LaPierre, who headed the National Rifle Association up until a week ago, LaPierre expects, this is according to testimony on Friday, He expects to begin receiving $1 million a year in compensation as part of his retirement package. That deal, we're talking $1 million a year to be retired. That deal was worked out privately between Wayne LaPierre and not the NRA's board of directors. And that's required by company bylaws. Defense attorneys for the National Rifle Association claim the National Rifle Association should not be on trial alongside Wayne LaPierre since it is the National Rifle Association that was victimized by the top executives. They won't say Wayne LaPierre. Wayne LaPierre and two other executives are accused of stealing $45 million in donations from the National Rifle Association. Defense attorneys informed the judge Friday that LaPierre's $1 million a year retirement package has been retired. Wayne LaPierre will not be getting $1 million a year, and he's going to have to pay back the $45 million. He and his top honchos stole from the National Rifle Association. It's so interesting. When I go after the NRA and Wayne LaPierre, legions of NRA supporters come after me. Not now. Not now. 
Where are you? Why aren't you attacking me for going after Wayne LaPierre? Hmm? Maybe you'll get your money back. Maybe he'll return the $45 million he stole from you. In 2008, Hurricane Gustav caused $8.1 billion in damages. It traveled up from Louisiana all the way through St. Paul, Minnesota, causing millions of damages and forcing Republicans to cancel the first day of their nominating convention, where they eventually picked John McCain. And I remember thinking, you know, maybe Republicans will get the message on climate change. It's very rare for a hurricane to hit St. Paul, Minnesota. This was back in 2008. I thought maybe, you know, they're religious. They'll see this as a message from God. But, you know, considering they didn't get the message in 2005 after Katrina, I held out little hope. McCain, if you remember, chose that idiot Sarah Palin as his running mate, who during her acceptance speech coined the phrase, drill, baby, drill. This was in the same week that the hurricane attacked St. Paul, Minnesota. Then, in 2012, Hurricane Isaac forced Republicans to cancel the first day of their convention in Tampa, Florida. And much of the second day was a hurricane. They ended up picking Mitt Romney. And uh, I remember thinking... Okay, now, now, these are religious people. They're going to get the message on climate change. Monday are the Iowa caucuses, and there's little hope Republicans will even think about climate catastrophe as they attempt to cast their ballot in 15 degree below zero weather. It will be the coldest Iowa caucuses ever. As of this evening, Des Moines Airport says it's gotten 24 inches of snow so far from its five-day blizzard. Iowa is going through the worst blizzard since 1941. Now, to give you an idea how rapidly climate catastrophe is accelerating, the coldest Iowa caucuses before Mondays was 20 years ago, where the weather was 9 degrees, not 9 degrees below zero, Nine degrees. We're now seeing voting conditions that are close to 20 degrees colder than they were 20 years ago. This is climate catastrophe and it's a psychosis. They're not dealing, the Republicans are not dealing with reality. This is a psychosis. Not a peep from the Republican candidates about getting off fossil fuels. As president, Trump left the Paris Agreement. He reversed 100 Obama-era executive orders that were signed to protect our air and water. He put the odious Scott Pruitt, a tool of the fossil fuel industry, in charge of our Environmental Protection Agency. And even worse, for Secretary of State, he picked Serial killer Rex Tillerson, the head of Exxon. All of this, what's going on in, in, in Iowa this morning, it is Exxon's fault. Rex Tillerson was Donald Trump's first secretary of state. Ron DeSantis is all in on fossil fuels. He said there's no way we can power this economy without fossil fuels. For some reason, he's anti-electric vehicle, 
and as governor was instrumental in passing laws that made it illegal for Florida cities to get off fossil fuels and switch to utilities that provide alternative energy. Nikki Haley says climate change is real, but it's China's fault, not America's. And she insists controlling emissions or switching to alternative energy would cost our economy trillions of dollars. She's an idiot. No, it adds trillions of dollars to our economy. It's economics 101, you moron. What it does do is it takes trillions of dollars away from her benefactors, the fossil fuel industry. So instead of controlling carbon emissions, Nikki Haley says we need to focus on carbon capture, which is not just a pipe dream. The pipe is leaking billions of gallons of oil into our groundwater. There is no such thing as carbon capture, Nikki Haley. With five years left, the clock is ticking, and you're talking carbon capture? You're stupid and you're a liar. As for Vivek Ramaswamy, does it matter what this self-loathing blowhard is selling when it comes to climate change? I'll just tell you, he claims the environmental movement is nothing but a cult. And he should know about cults. And he says carbon should be celebrated. That we're, <laughs> we're not grateful enough for carbon. Basically, carbon is like Trump. It beats up on Vivek Ramaswamy. And Vivek says, please, sir, can I have some more? Would you give me some? Give me some more. I love these Republicans. They're all so macho and tough. And they don't like to get pushed around. And they, you know, but the minute... Trump raises an eyebrow. They take a knee. Well, thanks to the Republicans, because the Republicans have created this climate disaster, Republicans in Iowa, thanks to Republicans, will risk frostbite to stand in line to cast a ballot for one of these serial killers. I mean, this is what they are. If you're a climate denier, climate change denier, you're a serial killer. Look, if you're a Republican voter in Iowa, I'm talking to Republican voters in Iowa who will risk their life, literally their limbs, to stand in line in this kind of weather. Uh, If you're a Republican voter on Monday, you go out and vote for one of these pigs. Uh, I shouldn't call them pigs. Let's just call them humans. Pigs are good people. Uh, (laughs) That should be a T-shirt. Pigs are good people. If you're a Republican voter in Iowa, uh, something's wrong with you. There's a mass psychosis going on. Look, uh, there's something missing in your life. There's something missing in your brain and your soul. And I feel sorry for you. I really do. Right up until the point when your stupidity, gullibility, intellectual sloth and immorality starts threatening my life and my children's life. The idea that you would vote for any of these candidates, in my estimation, makes you, I don't even want to say the word. I won't even say the word. I have a note. I'm not going to call you 
what I think you are. I don't want to hear about your victimhood. I don't want to hear, oh, they're victims. That's why they're voting in the Iowa Republican caucus. It's about, de- they're victims of deindustrialization. They're victims of the decline of unions. They're just good, ordinary Americans falling prey to con artists selling hyper-individualism. You know, at some point, you have to hold these people accountable and call them what they really are. But I won't. (laughs) I won't do it. But we all know what they are. They deny the 2020 election. They deny January 6th was an insurrection. They deny climate change. They deny vaccine mandates. Uh, At this point... We're, we're a day away from the Iowa caucuses. Uh, I don't have any understanding, nor do I care, what got these Iowa Republicans to this level of venality. All I know is they're killing the planet. They're spreading COVID plus misinformation, and they're destroying our democracy. How could you turn out in below freezing weather to vote for any of these deplorables. What kind of rot is inside of you? How much do you hate yourself and others? How much do you want everybody to be as miserable as you are? Because that's why you would go out in this kind of weather to vote for Donald Trump or Ron DeSantis or Nikki Haley or Vivek Ramaswamy. The only reason you would vote for them is because you want the rest of us to be as miserable as you are. You know, I've calmed down with these people. I have. Uh, But not the day before the Iowa caucuses. It is a mass psychosis. This happens in countries a mass psychosis where segments of the population ignore reality. And I've been pretty good for the past, I don't know, five years, six years, not allowing these people, if you want to call them that, to bait me. Uh, You know, I have a lot of old friends who are not my friends anymore. They try to bait me into an argument. I delete your comments if if you leave a comment. Uh, on my website or on my channel, and you, Trump 2024, it's deleted. I, I, no arguments. Uh, I, I don't, you know, if somebody emails me at my website, and I ignore you. Uh, you know, the people who vote for Donald Trump or any of these Republicans are the horrible stench in a port of sand. That's how I think of people who are going to vote in the Iowa caucuses tomorrow. They're the horrible stench in a port of sand. I just open the door and I close my eyes and I quickly turn away. I don't want to know why there's a stench or where it's coming from. I'll find another port of sand. I'm not dealing with these people. They're a dirty, filthy port of sand. They're dirty and disgusting port of sands that haven't been attended to since last year's Ted Nugent concert. I just shut the door and walk away. And that's uh, up until the night before, the day before the Iowa caucuses, when I just cannot believe what's going on in, in 
the, the state that Barack Obama won. He won the caucuses twice and the general election twice in Iowa. It makes me feel sorry for the rest of the people who live in Iowa. I've been to Iowa countless times. There are really good people in Iowa. 769,000 Iowans voted for Joe Biden in 2020. Unfortunately, they're outnumbered by the nearly 900,000 who voted for Donald Trump. 130,000 vote difference. So, you know, there are good people. There are good people in Iowa. But they're not voting on Monday. Only the really bad people are voting on Monday. You know, in fact, given the weather, it will be the worst of the worst. They'll be lucky to see 50,000 Iowans turning out to vote. Right? Just 50,000 Iowans turning out to vote. To choose. They come out to choose from one of these three or four repulsive insects. That's what's on the menu. It's like a lunch buffet at Mar-a-Lago. Would you like the water bugs, the rat worms, or the cockroaches? Well, unless the weather works to his disadvantage, Donald Trump is expected to win with a blowout. We've been waiting on the Des Moines Register polling. That's the big one. Here it is. It came out late Saturday night, and Trump has 48% of likely caucus goers. Haley jumps ahead into second place, strong second with 20%, and DeSantis has 16 points, 16%. Now, DeSantis has spent more time in Iowa than any of the other candidates. They got to meet him. They got to meet his wife and his children. Didn't like what they saw, Ron. Didn't like you, your wife, or your children. So, again, the polling can be wrong. And I, as you know, I've, my gut tells me DeSantis pulls this out, especially with the weather. I, we're looking at how 50,000 dimwits are going to vote on Monday. I, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, Haley could come out of Iowa with some delegates. Maybe it will be enough to catapult her in New Hampshire. But even if she wins New Hampshire, we start moving into winner-take-all primaries, and there is now chatter, and this upsets me. I am now being told that Trump's ground game might surprise us all. That it's actual. This is what some people have said to me. You'd be amazed how impressive it truly is. There are rumblings that Trump not only has a get-out-the-vote machine in Iowa, but New Hampshire as well. Now, in the past, he didn't need one. All he had to do was give a speech or an interview. Now, I suspect after Monday night, if Trump wins, we're going to be reading stories about what went right in the Trump campaign. And we're going to learn, unfortunately, that he's got a much more sophisticated ground operation that has been flying under the radar. They've, they've learned how to 
use social media, it's better or worse than anyone imagined. Because right now, it's received wisdom among the chattering classes that Trump only hires wife beaters, men who have been arrested at least once for domestic abuse. It's pretty remarkable, the number of violent men he surrounds himself with. And, you know, we assume he surrounds himself only with weak men, men who can't control their appetites and who are dumber than he is, if such a thing is possible. I'm, uh, I believe, I have faith. I, I, I have faith that people who resort to physical intimidation, bullies and cowards, all the people who Trump surrounds himself with, I believe that they can't win elections. I, I don't think you can win elections through brute force. I think you can win over members of the House and the Senate with threats of physical violence. I just don't think you can win elections. I think you can steal elections. I think you can suppress the vote with brute force. Uh, So if Trump wins Iowa, there's another story that we're going to hear. A much more sophisticated campaign strategy than any of us have been paying attention to. And I'm scared. Because of the weather, Trump canceled two big rallies scheduled for Saturday night. He's in Des Moines early Sunday morning. He conducted a town hall tele-rally, however. He wasn't there. Meanwhile, Ron DeSantis is in Iowa. He's betting it all on Iowa. He was 75 minutes late to his Saturday night rally in West Des Moines. The New York Times says he spoke for only 10 minutes when he got there. Not a good sign. Nikki Haley is also doing rallies, but she says the cold is unbelievable. She's never seen cold like this. Yeah. Yeah, it's called climate catastrophe, you simp. Perhaps you were wrong as ambassador of the United Nations when you helped Trump pull out of the Paris Accords. Ever occur to you that maybe this is climate catastrophe? The Iowa caucuses first started... Where am I? Are we not doing this? Okay. I thought we had something else. The Iowa caucuses first started back in 1972. And one of the myths is that Jimmy Carter won uh, in 76. That's not actually true. Carter ended up with 28% of the vote. He came in second to, anybody know? Little trivia, 19. 76, everybody thought Jimmy Carter won Iowa. He didn't. Came in second, too. Uncommitted. And he uh, did even worse than how Ed Muskie performed four years earlier when he tied. Does anybody know who Ed Muskie tied with in 1972? Uncommitted. Uncommitted and Ed Muskie both got 36% of the vote. Uncommitted, despite doing so well, never ended up running again. Something happened in 1980, and Iowa voters realized, you got to commit. And with Trump blowing past everyone in the polls, I'm starting to think every Republican in Iowa should be committed. They're insane. This is a mass 
psychosis, what's going on in Iowa. But then again, no matter who they choose, is it's just horrible. Just a horrible choice, Monday. A vote for Nikki Haley, Ron DeSantis, Ramaswamy, and obviously Donald Trump is psychotic, stupid, and immoral. And my heart genuinely goes out to the 769,000 Iowans who voted for Joe Biden in 2020. You have to live with these people. And my heart goes out to the 820,000 who voted for Barack Obama in 2012, uh, which is the last time that state went blue. So far, 106 House Republicans have endorsed Donald Trump for president. I'm surprised it's that low. And 21 Senate Republicans have endorsed him, the latest being Utah's Mike Lee, who told Fox News that Trump kept all his promises the last time he was president. So there's no reason to believe he won't keep his promises the next time he's president. Trump also picked up an endorsement from Sammy the Bull Gravano, the Gambino family mobster who admits to killing 19 people. He ended up going into the witness protection program after bringing down Gambino boss John Gotti. This is true. Over the weekend, over the weekend, Trump posted a quote from Sammy the Bull Gravano, who said that when Trump was in the construction business, Sammy the Bull, he claims he had control of the unions and I could have pulled all kind of strings, but Trump didn't bite. He didn't want to do business with me. That is where we're at. Trump is citing Sammy the Bull. Trump is citing Sammy the Bull Gravano as a character witness. Sammy the Bull, who, by the way, was a rat. And we all know what Trump thinks of rats. And I'm not talking about the rats they serve in Mar-a-Lago's breakfast buffet. I'm talking about people like Michael Cohen, Mark Meadows, all the people who are flipping. Sammy the Bull Gravano just means uh, Sammy Sammy the Bull Gravano saying Trump couldn't be bought just means Sammy the Bull couldn't buy him. That's all it means. Because in the end, Sammy the Bull was small potatoes. Trump wasn't going to do business with Sammy the Bull because Trump's lawyer, Roy Cohn, was also an attorney for Fat Tony Salerno, who was head of the Genovese family, Carmine Galante, head of the Bonanno family, and Paul Castellano, Sammy the Bull's boss in the Gambino crime family. Sammy the Bull was a nobody compared to the mobsters Roy Cohen put Trump in contact with. Trump Tower is not steel. It's cement. It's actually more expensive to build uh, with cement than steel. And it hardens quickly, which means you have to move the trucks at the site in quickly and you need the mafia to sell you the cement 
You need the mafia to pour the cement. Then you need the mafia to move the trucks into downtown Manhattan to block traffic, to wait for the cement to dry. You need the mafia to get around all the red tape in Manhattan to make sure no inspectors are coming around. And you're not getting any trouble from the unions. You need somebody to make sure you're not getting any trouble from the unions. And that's what Roy Cohen did for Donald Trump. Like I said, cement is more expensive than steel, but it's transactional. The mafia wanted Donald Trump to pour cement. So Roy Cohn said, pour the cement. Because you pour the cement, you buy the cement, they'll be able to do other favors for you. I make you rich, you make me rich. And... By the way, this bond between Donald Trump and Rudy Giuliani, I have no doubt it goes back to the 80s when Giuliani was prosecuting the mafia. I have no doubt he called Trump in. I don't know what went down between the two, but I don't believe they forged a bond years later when Rudy Giuliani became mayor. I have no doubt that Rudy Giuliani got Trump to cooperate when Rudy was prosecuting the mafia in New York. I have no doubt that that they met. Rudy might have had something on Trump and he let it go in exchange for information. I have no idea. But this love-hate relationship between Donald Trump, who is a mobster, certainly behaves like one. This love-hate relationship between Trump and Rudy, the prosecutor who made his name, supposedly bringing down the mob in New York City, it has to be connected to some sort of agreement that the two of them struck while Rudy was going after the five families because Donald Trump, through Roy Cohn, was connected to the five families, and he did not need to do business with Sammy the Bull Gravano. In fact, it was the other way around. Sammy the Bull Gravano needed to do business with Donald Trump. Gravano was a low-level button man. He wasn't sitting in the high Sierra sipping champagne cocktails. I have a sore throat. I would do my Frankie Five Angels imitation, but um, the pipes are a little course today. Trump didn't need Sammy the Bull. Trump was dealing with Paul Castellano, who was the head of the Gambino family, Sammy the Bull's boss. Uh, Sammy the Bull and Gotti ended up uh, shooting uh, Castellano in front of Sparks Steakhouse. Uh, But uh, so Why would Donald Trump be citing Sammy the Bull Gravano? (laughs) It's a mass psychosis. This happens to countries. It it happened in Germany, Rwanda. It's it's happening in Iowa right now. Why is Trump citing Sammy the Bull as a character witness? Well, it actually has nothing to do with politics. It's about Trump's legal mess. Trump has a, I don't know if you've heard, he's got a little legal problem. He's got uh, two civil lawsuits in the next two weeks in a 
critical state, okay? There is the $370 million civil fraud suit in Manhattan where New York State uh, Attorney General Letitia James, has, she's already won a judgment against Trump and his two sons. She's already proved that Trump inflated his assets in order to secure lower interest rates from banks and better policies from insurers. The judge in that case, Judge Arthur Engeron, has promised to issue a ruling by the 31st of this month. And again, Engeron has already found Trump guilty. The purpose of the trial is simply to determine how big a punishment is in store for Donald Trump. And that's why Trump is boasting that Sammy the Bull claims Donald Trump can't be bought. The trial wrapped up on Thursday, but not before police were called to Judge Arthur Angeron's Long Island home after someone phoned in a bomb scare. Another bomb scare. Swatting bomb scares. Not a peep from Trump. Not once, not once, has Donald Trump told his supporters to stop threatening the judges, the law clerks, the prosecutors, the witnesses. Instead, Trump claims he's the one being attacked and keeps complaining he has no rights. And by no rights, he means nobody's given him the divine rights of king yet. That's what he is looking for, the divine rights of king. Before the last day of the civil suit in New York, Donald Trump complained and lied that he was being denied a jury trial. Once again, he asked the press outside the courtroom doors, why is it in this trial that only one man gets to decide my guilt or innocence? What this lying sack of dung Donald Trump conveniently leaves out is that's exactly what he asked for, a bench trial. Donald Trump doesn't want a New York City jury ruling on him because everyone hates Donald Trump in New York City. So he requested a bench trial, figuring he could take his chances with a judge who he might be able to bully instead of 12 New Yorkers, middle class New Yorkers, you know, and by virtue of just being from New York, they're going to tar and feather Donald Trump. Trump doesn't win elections in New York in the five, one borough, Staten Island, the island of misfits. That's where, (laughs) that's where we rounded up and placed all the deplorables in Staten Island. The rest of New York City, we know who Donald Trump is. We can't stand him. Trump also lied and complained that Judge Engeron was denying him the right to speak in court. He did ask Judge Engeron for permission to deliver the closing argument. And the judge said, okay, that would be fine so long as you agree to remain focused, focus on the trial stick to facts and evidence, and not turn this into a campaign rally. That's what Judge Arthur Engeron 
said, and Trump said, okay, I'm not going to give the final closing argument. Then, on the last day, Thursday, right after Judge Engeron is home, there was a bomb scare, and now it's the closing argument that Trump's not going to deliver. Trump could not control himself, and he began ranting and raving at the judge. He called it a political witch hunt. He said he was the victim in all this, that he's entitled to damages. Finally, the judge said, shut up. But Trump continued. He said, quote, this is a fraud on me. What's happening here, sir, is a fraud on me. Well, at least he called the judge, sir. I mean, gives me hope. Finally, Judge Engeron ordered Trump's lawyers, control your client. It was like a scene out of a bad David E. Kelly drama, but they couldn't control him. Trump was ranting and raving, foaming at the mouth, and Judge Engeron, you know, this is going to go to appeal, so he has to behave himself, right? So Judge Engeron didn't know how to shut this idiot up, and then he, it, he realized what to do, and he pounded the gavel, I'm not making this up, and he declared a lunch break, declared it early. It was genius. And Trump just stops dead in his tracks and goes, mmm, French fries. And like a child, the temper tantrum stopped, it's time for lunch, and he just stormed out of the courtroom. And... Uh, never came back. Never came back. Uh, Trump did have to sit, though, that day through the prosecutors, their closing argument, where they kept repeating that Donald Trump is cash poor, something Trump never wants anybody saying out loud. It really gets under his skin, you know, because he's cash poor. Hundreds of millions of dollars raised by his super PAC. Nobody knows where it went. Well, to the lawyers. Yeah. Uh, The prosecutors in the closing argument said that in order to keep his businesses afloat, Trump was desperate to secure loans. And he had to borrow hundreds of millions of dollars to keep his failing businesses going. And that's why he was forced to exaggerate his net worth exaggerated, according to Letitia James, the attorney general, by $3.6 billion. He said he was worth $3.6 billion more than he actually was. Why? Because he needed to convince the banks Mar-a-Lago was worth half a billion instead of $20 million, which it is. It's only worth $20 million. He needed the banks to believe Mar-a-Lago was worth half a billion, so he could borrow against the property. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, so he could borrow against the property and secure lower interest rates by lying and saying he was a risk-free bet, which he is anything but a risk-free bet. Donald Trump has gone bankrupt at least six times. He's a horrible bet. In fact, he's the riskiest bet in real estate history. 
everyone knows banks and lenders got paid back pennies on the dollars. If you were a contractor, you got paid back nothing. Prosecutors pointed out in their closing argument that Donald Trump saved at least $168 million in interest payments by conning lenders into giving him lower interest rates. Now, Trump keeps saying, but I paid them back. Yes, but you tricked the banks into selling you money at a much lower interest rate. Most, I don't understand how this works. I've never bought money, right? But money is for sale. Trump needed, let's say, $500 million. He shops around for a loan that offers him the lowest interest rate. How do you get a low interest rate? You lie and say you're risk-free, so they charge you less for the money. He, he purchased the money on false pretenses, Who gives a crap about the banks? I agree. But it is illegal to lie on your financials. It's illegal. Like I said, Judge Arthur Engeron has promised to issue his ruling on the 31st of the month. And I'm sure he'll he'll meet out a much lighter sentence uh, for Donald Trump because... Donald Trump now has Sammy the Bull Gravano extolling both Donald Trump's character and virtue. I mean, what a great character witness, Sammy the Bull Gravano. This is uh, what we've come to, the mass psychosis. The leading nominee for the Republican nomination, a former president, is on trial for fraud, and he's using Sammy the Bull Gravano as a character witness. Unbelievable, as a reference. Uh, so during the, the, the judge said, uh, lunch, and Trump went, French fries? And stormed out of the courtroom and proceeded to violate the judge's gag order by attacking him, Letitia James, and then he turned to E. Jean Carroll, whose defamation trial begins next week, right after the Iowa caucuses. And it looks like he defamed her once again. If you remember, Trump has already been found guilty of raping E. Jean Carroll and then defaming her. Now, thanks to the Adult Survivors Act in New York, the the statute of limitations on rape was temporarily lifted for a year. And that allowed someone like E. Jean Carroll to step forward and sue Trump for civil damages. And that one-year window has expired. Last year, a jury ruled that Donald Trump... Now, listen to me. A jury in New York ruled that Donald Trump did, in fact, rape E. Jean Carroll... And that she was not only entitled to damages for the rape, she was also entitled to damages because Donald Trump defamed her reputation after she went public with the allegations, which were true. So the purpose of next week's trial, like the fraud trial, 
civil fraud trial is to determine how much Trump must pay in damages. His guilt has already been determined. Now, if you're a Republican in Iowa and you're thinking of voting for Donald Trump, please know that a jury in New York last year found Donald Trump guilty of rape. Look up U.S. District Judge Louis A. Kaplan. He presided over the first trial and is presiding over the second. Three times Judge Louis A. Kaplan has put into writing in three separate rulings revolving around the E. Jean Carroll case. Three times he has written that a jury did in fact find Donald Trump guilty of rape in common law parlance. Trump keeps trying to spin it like it was just sexual assault. As though, what, that makes it a misdemeanor? It was rape. That's who you're going to vote for. And there are 30 other credible sexual assault allegations that have been leveled against this monster, a monster. Trump, poor Donald Trump, he cannot catch a break with women these days. Eugene Carroll suing him for defamation and rape. Letitia James suing him for civil fraud. And now his mother-in-law upended his schedule by dropping dead. So inconsiderate. Now? She's going to die now? As if I don't have enough on my plate? Melania's mother died last week at the age of 78. And so Trump filed a motion to postpone the E. Jean Carroll trial in order to attend her funeral in Florida. And I hear it's out by the seventh hole. That's what I've, I've been told. Well, you know, in all fairness, uh, he does need to postpone the trial. Melania needs him by her side to, to comfort her. Uh, but Judge Kaplan dismissed the request. He said the trial date remains on schedule. That would be the day after the Iowa caucuses. Judge Kaplan said in turning down the motion, you don't need to be with your wife after her mother died. You're a rapist and your wife doesn't want you around. You sicken her. Okay, he didn't say that. But I'm sure he thought it. Because it's the truth. What, it's like, it's like Melania. I think Melania called him tearfully and said, Donald, uh, my, my mother is dead and I need you to postpone the sentencing phase of that trial where you have already been found guilty of raping a woman. I need you to postpone your rape trial so that you can stay by my side and comfort me. You think that call was ever made? You think she even has a cell phone number? She's living in Trump Tower and he's living in Mar-a-Lago and the Bedminster Golf Club. They're done. They're done. Trump had a busy week. There was the civil trial on Thursday in New York. There was the Fox News 
town hall on Wednesday in Iowa. And on Tuesday, he was in Washington as his lawyers went before a panel of three federal judges. They insisted that all four criminal trials should be thrown out because Donald Trump is entitled to the divine rights of kings. I'm not making this up. They say he is entitled to absolute immunity as president of the United States. This is the argument his lawyers are making, that an ex-president cannot be put on trial in a criminal court for any crimes he may or may not have committed while he was president. This, of course, is a ridiculous argument, which is why Judge Tanya Chutkin, who is presiding over the Washington, D.C. election interference trial, dismissed it. Jack Smith... To refresh your memory, he's the special counsel. He knew Trump's attorneys would appeal her ruling, so he immediately filed a motion for the Supreme Court to rule on absolute immunity in order to keep the March court date on track. But the Supreme Court refused to hear the case, insisting it go through the appeals process. They wanted to hear it argued out in a lower court before they could make up their mind as to whether or not a president of the United States has the divine rights of kings. You know, they're, they're strict, strict textualists, and they're, 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 they always want to interpret the Constitution uh, the way our founding fathers intended it to be. And they're still a little cloudy on what the founding fathers thought about giving a president the divine right of kings. So that's uh, Trump. That's why Trump was in Washington listening to his attorneys argue before uh, a Washington, D.C. district court's uh, panel of judges. They were arguing. It's pretty incredible. Uh, I mean, lawyers are scumbags. They'll do anything for money. And they'll say anything. And that's what's going on right now. And to delay, to delay the trial. Uh, They said that a president can never commit a crime as president. There's no such thing as a crime. During the oral arguments, one of the judges asked Trump's attorney if... That meant a sitting president can order SEAL Team 6 to kill his opponent when he's running for re-election. And Trump's attorney, his name is John Sauer. This is what he told the judge. Uh, He said Trump would have to be impeached first by the House and then convicted in the Senate in order for a prosecutor to indict him for murdering, for for ordering SEAL Team 6 in to kill his political opponents. So Trump's attorney, just let's just remember that an attorney actually argued this uh, before three judges in a Washington, D.C. district courtroom, that if Donald Trump were to order SEAL Team 6 to take out one of his political opponents. He would have to be impeached by the House of Representatives. 
put on trial in the Senate and convicted. And then and only then could a prosecutor step up and indict him for uh, whatever, killing a political opponent. Uh, I wonder how, uh, this is the question I would ask Trump's brilliant attorney, John, what is his name, Sauer? S-A-U-E-R? Just want to make sure we all remember this man's name. I have it in my notes. Where is it? Uh, I'm sorry. It's important. John Sauer, S-A-U-E-R. People should know that name. Uh, If history still exists a year from now, people should know that he said, uh, said this. My question is, okay, Donald Trump... Order SEAL Team 6 to kill his political opponent. And he kills his political opponent and he's reelected. And nobody finds out that he used SEAL Team 6. And then when his administration, his second term is over and he's back at the Bedminster Country Club, it comes out that he ordered SEAL Team 6 to kill his political opponent. What happens now? You you have Congress impeach him ex post facto and then put him on trial in the Senate. I mean, that's what happened basically after the insurrection, right? Joe Biden was president by the time the impeachment, the second impeachment came around. Is that how, how it's going to work? Uh They're saying that the president of the United States can do anything with no criminal repercussions. Uh, In Nixon versus Fitzgerald, the Supreme Court ruled in 1982 that the president of the United States cannot be sued for civil damages for anything he did as president, whether it was authorized or unauthorized. In other words, if he committed a crime, as president of the United States, he cannot be sued in a civil court after he leaves office. But the court emphasized that an ex-president is under no circumstances immune from criminal prosecution for crimes he committed while president. It is a ridiculous, immoral, un-American argument And the only reason Trump's attorney, John Sauer, made it is because Trump's checks are clearing. And he's been ordered to slow walk the process. Delay, 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 delay until after November when Trump becomes president and then dismantles our entire criminal justice system. After uh, the hearing... During a uh, press conference, Trump uh, warned of bedlam. He said, if the courts don't grant me absolute immunity, there will be bedlam in the streets. I can't control how my supporters will react if they learn that I am not immune from prosecution. Yeah, he cannot control 
his uh, supporters the same way he can't control his supporters when they phone in a bomb threat to Judge Arthur Engeron's home on the day of the final argument in the civil fraud trial, the same way he can't control his supporters from swatting Judge Tanya Chutkin, swatting Special Counsel Jack Smith. He just can't control his supporters. Not once, not once has Donald Trump ever condemned the death threats, the rape threats, the racially tinged hate speech left as texts or messages on phones. Not once. All he says is, I can't control my people. This is why Liz Cheney, the former congresswoman Liz Cheney, said this week that 2024 might be the last time we ever cast a ballot in a presidential election. Cheney said she wouldn't rule out voting for Joe Biden. Really? You wouldn't rule it out? So brave. I mean, you know, she did. St- she has stepped up. She's done more than I'll ever do. But she's not going to rule out voting for Joe Biden. President Biden this week in a speech warned that democracy and freedom are on the ballot in November. It would be nice if Medicare for all were on the ballot. That would be nice. A national argument right now about universal health care, universal child care, free tuition at all public universities, making the child tax credit expansion permanent, forgiving student debt. And, of course, taxing billionaires and oil companies out of existence. That would be a nice debate to have on the ballot in November. In fact, a civilized country has that conversation, but not America. Not the country that spends more on bombs than it does on its children. Instead, we're told freedom and democracy are on the ballot. What does that even mean? I'm voting for Joe Biden, okay? But what, what freedom and democracy are on the ballot? What about flowers? Why don't we put flowers on the ballot, too? Because we all love flowers just as much as we love freedom and democracy. And, you know, unless we wipe out the oil companies and do something about climate catastrophe, there will be no more flowers. So why don't we... Put flowers on the ballot along with freedom and democracy. This is what it's come down to. This is what we're talking about. Freedom. It is a mass psychosis that the president of the United States is saying freedom and democracy are on the ballot. That's that's what's going to be on the ballot. And you're going to win that way by telling Americans that freedom and democracy are on the ballot? Well, you know, I'm voting for Joe Biden, and I do think he's the most consequential president since Lyndon B. Johnson, but I don't believe in the divine rights of kings, and Lyndon B. Johnson was a great and horrible president. They're all deeply flawed. I am voting for Joe Biden, Uh, Might be a little late, Joe, to ask Americans to vote in favor of freedom and democracy. 
when so much of our freedom and democracy has been taken away from us. Half this country can't come up with $500 in cash for a medical emergency, which means half this country isn't free. They're hounded by bill collectors, landlords, and of course, the police. As for democracy, well, a majority of us want Medicare for all, an assault weapons ban, a raise in the minimum wage. A majority of us want to make the child tax credit expansion permanent. I know Joe is trying to do all that except for Medicare for all. But our leaders don't seem to care what we have to say unless there's at least a check for $5,000 attached to it. You got to do better than telling us freedom and democracy are on the ballot. You got to keep pushing big ideas. You got to push big ideas like Medicare for all. Put Medicare for all. If the election is a referendum on Donald Trump, yeah, maybe you could win. I hope you can win. I think you can win. Uh, But how about a landslide? How about a landslide and making it about Medicare for all? Or at least put it on the ballot. Let's have a national conversation about Medicare for all instead of these abstractions like freedom and democracy, which, yes, it may be the last election we ever have because of Donald Trump. You might want to put Medicare for all on the ballot to get people to vote for you. Bernie Sanders says if Trump wins, it will be the end of democracy. That's what Bernie Sanders said yesterday. He said, if Trump wins, it will be the end of democracy. That is what Bernie Sanders said. Who am I to disagree with Bernie Sanders? Okay? So, I agree. Donald Trump is a threat. He is, a, as they say, an existential threat threat to freedom and democracy in America. Uh, I fear the Democrats are doing the same old, same old. We're being asked by the Democrats to vote our fears, not our dreams. Trump is not just scary. He is dangerous. But so are bill collectors. So is medical debt. So is becoming homeless. Now, I know that Joe Biden has been trying hard to alleviate the suffering of Americans who are falling between the cracks. There's no question that he is. There's no question that Joe Biden has has moved the country to the left Uh, I've been all over the executive orders and all the landmark legislation and all the children he was able to lift temporarily out of poverty. I get it. He's up against the Republican Party that wants a permanent underclass that is desperate because a desperately, desperately and permanent underclass is a source of cheap labor. This is what we're up against fascism and i understand what joe biden is trying to do 
If Trump goes big, Biden goes soft and steady. He's playing a game of inches. He's selling his own version of incrementalism. And I'm rooting for him, and I'm voting for him, and I'm telling you, if you don't vote for Joe Biden in November, you're making a big mistake. Uh, I know that if Trump goes away, there'll be another boogeyman. Constant vigilance. There's always a strain of fascism in our country. But uh, Joe Biden is a good man. And he's... Foreign policy is another issue. Not talking about foreign policy right now. So what happens in November? I think Biden wins. But I think it's going to be closer than it should be. I think it's going to, it should not be close. Every yardstick from inflation, unemployment, and economic growth, they all show that Bidenomics is a huge success. COVID, while still, you know, we have a wave going on right now, still a problem. It is no longer the health emergency it once was. So why don't feel, why don't we feel, why don't Americans feel that things are better? Is it because Biden's a bad messenger? Is it because Americans haven't had time to examine his record? And when they finally get around to doing it, they'll realize how consequential he is? Maybe. Maybe. Or maybe America, not everybody, but maybe America is sick with something worse than COVID. Maybe there's something wrong and we have no yardstick that measures it like inflation, the way we can measure job growth. And I'm not talking about the national malaise that Jimmy Carter, he didn't use the word national malaise, but the ter- he didn't use that term, but he hinted that there was a national malaise. I'm talking about something far worse. A national psychosis that has infected perhaps all of us, Democrat, Republican, people who don't vote, I am afraid most, if not all, Americans are not dealing with reality, including me. I think there's a mass psychosis. We've all compartmentalized so much in our own lives and the life of our nation that we've lost sight of the reality, the the brutal reality of how brutal we are to each other. We are a very cruel people. Americans are a very cruel people. We're cruel to other countries. We're cruel to each other. And we're cruel to ourselves. And it's psychotic. It is a mass psychosis because we don't realize it. Other countries know how cruel we are. We don't realize it. We're psychotic. 
our cruelty has been compartmentalized. Hannah Arendt kind of talked about the banality of evil. We've compartmentalized our evil. We are not a nice people. We are capable of doing kind and nice things. But when you look at the record, we're not a kind people. Other countries don't behave this way. Other countries don't have 50,000 of their citizens dying each year from gunshots. Other countries don't have two and a half million of its citizens behind bars. We have the largest number of citizens behind bars per capita. There are more people. There are more. I think I, I think this is correct. I think there are more black men who are part of the criminal, you know, been through the criminal justice system, who've been arrested and been imprisoned. Then there were black male slaves before the start of the Civil War. Something like that. Other countries don't punish their citizens the way we punish each other. We're not a nice people. We're not nice. Other countries don't behave this way. Their children don't live on the streets. They don't go hungry. Families don't go broke because they can't afford the operation for their child, and they do it anyway, and then they're broke. In other countries, college is either free or affordable. And in other countries, it's pretty easy to lock up their prime ministers or presidents when they commit crimes that are far less sinister than what Donald Trump has done. This is a mass psychosis. We've compartmentalized the violence, the school shootings. We've compartmentalized our permanent war economy, the homeless, the children living on the streets, and all the mental illness that comes from all this cruelty. The drug addiction, the fentanyl, the suicides, the sexual assault, the physical assault, the broken marriages, and the desperately lonely. This is a desperately lonely nation. You know, the British address loneliness. They have a minister of loneliness. We have an epidemic of loneliness in this country, and nobody knows what to do about it. So they deny it. We just we deny reality. That is a mass psychosis. We are a loveless people. We are a loveless people. That's what Americans are. We're a loveless people. We don't take care of one another. We don't trust each other. So we sink into ourselves, imagining things about who we are that isn't true. We imagine things about each other that are not true. And we imagine things about our country that is not true. It's built on lies. 
But eventually the lies disappear and it becomes a delusional psychosis where you just don't have to deal with reality anymore. It's why Donald Trump can get away with calling the January Sixers hostages. It's a psychosis. This is a mass psychosis. And any country that behaves this way, while at the same time insists it's rooted in Judeo-Christian tradition, any country that believes that is not only psychotic, it's a danger to the world community. Again, I don't blame the Republicans in Iowa. I think we're seeing a mass psychosis in Iowa Monday. People risking their lives to vote for these charlatans. But it's, we're all part of it. I blame myself. I blame us all. Uh, we're not dealing with reality. We are a psychotic people. We suck. We really do. This is not my father and mother's generation. We suck. We really do. And we got to step up. We got to step up and deal with reality. The, the lack of compassion for others, the, the lack of human decency. Be great right now if the police came and arrested me because I've killed like 16 people. Wouldn't that be a great way to end my podcast? Where I've been arrested for being a serial killer. That would be so funny. I'm David Feldman reminding you to stay strong and protect the weak. Thank you for listening to me on this freezing Saturday mor- uh, Sunday morning. Uh, these are interesting times. Thank you for listening to me. Uh, again, I'm voting for, I was critical of Biden, but he's the best we got. Um, and so says Bernie. Please share this with your friends. Please like this. Uh, thank you to the mod. Oh, we have a poll. We have a poll. I knew it. I, I knew I, we have a poll. Let me uh, tell you what the question is. So I didn't announce the poll, so I, nobody knows to vote, but it's in the chat room. Who will be the first one to drop out uh, on Tuesday? Will it be Vivek, Ron DeSantis? Uh, I got to look at the poll. Haley? What are, I forgot what the poll is. I'm sorry. Let's look at this. Is anybody here? Where is everybody? Hang on. Uh, how do I get to my channel? Am I even on? Uh, here we go. Is this thing working? Uh, oh, I got to look at the ball. Haley. Okay. Here, uh, here's the question. Who drops out first? I'll give people time to vote. Hang on. Who drops out first on Tuesday? Vivek, DeSantis, Haley, Republicans who vote in Iowa suck. Uh, 
So let me give people, we have 1,343 votes. I should have, I'll give you a little more time to, uh, to vote. And uh, I think everybody's voted. Thank you to Bob in the chat room for keeping the uh, conversation civilized. All right, I'm going to stop the poll. Here are the results. Uh, where the, where's the poll now? What happened to the... Oh, here, here is it. Who drops out first? Uh, out of 1,300 votes, uh, 2% say Haley drops out first. 18% say DeSantis drops out for, first. 27% say Republicans who vote in Iowa suck. And 52% say Vivek Ramaswamy drops out first. Yeah. Okay. Thank you all for uh, putting up with my nonsense. Be nice to people. Even be nice to, uh, well, yeah, well, be nice to people. I was going to say be nice. I can't say that. I can't go there. Be nice to good people. Be nice to everyone. Remember what they taught you in kindergarten. Okay, thank you all. Thank <laughs> you.